Good afternoon. Continue to pray for the services this afternoon. I want to uh, share a little bit what's been on my mind from last week uh, to this week on the uh, acts of charity. We talked about charity being love and action. Um, I want to be known as uh, Bethel Primitive Baptist Church as a body of believers that are a very loving group. Um, that's love in action. You know, God is love. God dwells in us, and we need to be, I want to be known as a church, as a, a loving people. That's why I want to go to church. That's why I want to go to worship. I want to be around people that are very lovingly. Now, people talked about Bethel Church, and they said, well, there's, that's a loving group of people down there. And well, how do you know? Well, they say it all the time. I love you. I love you. You know, <laughs> that's love by words. You know, it's not love in action. Uh, a lot of times I get in trouble and I, I say some things and, you know, I'm, I'm told, you know, I, I want to see it in action. <laughs> you know, I hear you saying it, but <laughs> I want to see it in action. So, you know, we talked about how the greatest act of charity was the Lord uh, God sending forth his son into the world to redeem those under the law. Um, how God sent his son to save them from their sins was sent forth. He did a many a wonderful things, acts of charity. He healed the blind. He gave uh, you know, the deaf to hear. A lot of things that he, was, uh, he did while he was here on earth in, in his ministry. But what he was sent forth was to redeem those that the Father had given him. All that the Father giveth him shall come to him in regeneration. Um, that, that will happen without fail. That will happen without fail. Uh, considering uh, Paul in the book of Acts, he was going uh, exhorting the elders at Ephesus. And one of the things he had uh, reminded them of it was something that wasn't written in the Gospels. In Acts chapter uh, 20, we'll read a little bit there. In verse 32, he says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. This is something that's able to build them up is the word of truth or the word of grace. He says, and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified, all of the, all the elect family of God. God sanctified a people before the foundation of the world. He set them aside for a holy use. That's what sanctification is in an eternal sense, your sanctification. We have a sanctification in a timely sense as well, but here's it's referring to those which God has uh, among all them which are sanctified. That's, that's who he's uh, exhorting him to. He says, I've coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and them that are with me. And listen to what he says. He says, I have showed you all things. He showed them a many of things. He just got through telling them how there will be wolves coming into the flock and to beware of those uh, people. He's trying to build them up by the word of grace. He showed them all things concerning their welfare Okay, so laboring, you ought to support the weak. We ought to support the weak among us. We need to exhort and build them up. And we can build them up in the word of grace. <laughs> we can build them up in the word of God. This is something that we can do. We ought, we ought to. That means we need to. We should. We ought to support the weak. Hold them up. That's what the word of grace does. He's telling me, he goes, you ought to support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. 
like I said, he didn't say this in any of the gospels. None of the gospel writers said this. You know, things that the Lord said, I imagine if they were written in the books, you know, all the things that he did well. They said Jesus has done all things well and all the things that he ever did. And here's something that nobody else recorded other than uh, Paul here in Acts. He says, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how we ought to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Remember the word of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That just, like I said before, it goes against the grain of, <laughs> of, as a child growing up. It goes against the grain sometimes as older adults. Um, you know, but it's more blessed to give. It's not, it's not, a, not a blessing to receive, but it's more blessed. More blessed to give than to receive. Give your money. Give your time. Give your acknowledgement. We're supposed to acknowledge God in all, all that we say or do. He said it's more blessed to give than to receive. That giving, that charity in action, that love, you know, faith, hope, and charity. Charity is what? It's above all those things. Paul said if without charity, I'm nothing. <laughs> if you don't have charity, and you're only going to have charity if you have God dwelling inside you. You're a born-again child of God. That's the only way you, you can even have charity and love. True charity and true love only comes from one source, and that's from the Father of lights, who's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So if you're going to tell somebody to have faith and to uh, have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're going to tell them anything like that, let them know. If you ain't got charity, nothing. So I want to uh, look at a couple of stories that's been on my mind. Uh, well, in the book of Proverbs, to kind of show how the Lord takes care of them, the Lord always puts a double blessing on all that he does. When you're doing something out of, of love and charity, God, God's able to do above, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Anything that we do, that, that's his promise. He says in Proverbs 19 and 17, he that hath pity upon the poor, what, lendeth unto the Lord. If you have pity upon the, the, the poor, you're lending unto God. And that which he has given, will he pay him again. You know, that's the good news of the gospel. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak comfortably unto Jerusalem. What's so comforting about it? The warfare is accomplished. That's the comforting news of the gospel. That is the comforting news. And he's paid double for all your sins. He's wiped out the debt. You're debt free. But what has he done? He set you in heavenly places. According as he has chosen you in Christ Jesus before the world began. What? That you, you can come before him. Like coming before a judge without blame. Before him in love. In love. In charity. He says, if you lend to the poor, you have pity upon the poor. You're lending unto the Lord. Okay? He's going to pay you double. You know, in uh, Hebrews chapter 6 Verse 10, he says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your what? Your work and labor of love. Love and action. That's your work and your labor. When you're giving, when you're supporting uh, in the things of God. He, God's not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. And that you have ministered unto the saints and do minister. God is awesome and God is greatly to be praised. And we should. How can we do that? We can show pity upon the poor and we're going to lend unto the Lord. And I promise you, he will not forget your work and labor of love. You never go wrong lending to the Lord. You lend out here to the world and they'll drop you. You're going to go broke real quick. 
And when you lend to the Lord, he's going to put double in your sack as he did Joseph. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. In the Lord. Acts of charity. I, I love to be loved, and I love to be a part of a loving group of people. And when I think a couple of the stories I want to read, I, want to, I thought about these acts of charity. And one of the acts of charity that I was uh, I pondered upon is found in three of the Gospels, in Mark, Matthew, and Luke. And the other one is kind of a contrast in John chapter 5. Uh, we can just look at that for a little bit here this afternoon for you Bereans that search the scriptures daily. <laughs> you know, Gideon's army on a Sunday afternoon. But I, I just want to continue those thoughts and charity and, and look at... Uh, uh, We'll, we'll go to Matthew chapter 5. Well, Matthew, yes. I want to read out of Mark chapter 2 is what I want. Sorry. It's found in all three Gospels. The one act in, uh, it's only found in John chapter 5. But Mark chapter 2, it says, And again, again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. It was noise that he was in the house. Now, I talked last week about being a among people down, downtown Nashville and among celebrities and this and that and how, you know, when they, when they come around, it, it's a big noise or, you know, look at here, look at there. You know, when they pass by here, a noise saying the Lord is in the house. That's why I asked a guy who was putting in my satellite TV the other day. He was sitting on my couch and uh, I said, do you go to church up in Springfield? And he said, well, we're, we're looking. You know, he's went to a couple of them, and I said, well, you need to come on down here to Bethel <laughs> to Bethel and worship with us because that's where the Lord is. And I said, you won't have to do no more looking, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, no more looking. It's, so there was a great noise, you know, when uh, Zacchaeus knew that the Lord came by. You know, he, 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 he couldn't see him. He, he didn't look. And there was, you'd think somebody would have showed some acts of charity and some acts of love and say, hey, Zacchaeus, get on my shoulders. You know, I want to see the Lord. Wasn't nobody around us saying that. So what did he do? He got on to the sycamore tree and he got up it quick. The Lord ended up coming back to his house that day. He's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. If you want to diligently seek him, the Lord's going to come to your house. I can guarantee you that. But there was a noise in the house. And straightway many were gathered together. Insomuch that there was no room to receive them. They're gathered all around to see this Jesus who's performing miracles. This one, you know, to be healed, healed by. And there was just no, no more room. I, I mean, this is a, a big moment. And showed some big faith by uh, four brothers to bring him into that house. They had to go above and beyond. They had to diligently seek him. And it wasn't for their welfare. It was for their, their brother. That's the acts of charity. They... This wasn't for them, for their healing. It was for him who was laid sick of the palsy and is on the bed. You know, they were, they were giving. They were showing acts of charity, you know, love and action. It wasn't for their sake. It was for his sake. But they were recognized, as we'll read. It says, and they were all gathered around. I mean, can you see this? You know, they're, they're bringing them in, and it, there's just nowhere to go. You know, Zacchaeus, because of the press, couldn't, you know, see the Lord. So he went, he went up. That's what sometimes we need to do. We need, we need to get up. You know, be at the feet of Jesus, but sometimes we want to see him. We need to go the, the extra mile. And this is what they're going to do. They're not going to let the, the crowd of people deter their ter determination to, for the healing of the, their brother. 
I mean, that's, that's love. That's love in action. And they came unto him, bringing him one sick of the palsy, which is born of four. It's like, you know, almost like, I guess, paraplegic. You know, you can't walk. You're sick on the bed. And uh, he couldn't do anything for himself. That shows us by nature. We can't do anything of ourselves until the Lord <laughs> reveals himself unto us as a, a child of God, as the elect family of God. And before regeneration, that's what we're impotent. We can't, we can't do anything. We're dead in trespasses and sins. And when they would not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. Here they're going up. Sometimes we need, just need to go up where he was. And when he had broken it up, they let down the bed where in the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, their love in action. That's what he saw. That's part of the faith. If you've got a God-given faith, you're able to exhibit love in action. You're able to exhibit charity one to another. We're supposed to be tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as Paul told the Ephesians. Um, but when he saw their faith, he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Boy, I tell you, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the chief rulers, they never liked Jesus healing on the Sabbath day. They didn't like anything when he was proving himself to be the Son of God. They didn't like that at all. It didn't matter how good the deed was. If it was, on, they were strict by the law, lawgivers, and Sabbath day, on, on days, this is the, uh, he says, why does this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? God was real, all God, and he was all man. That was, the, that's a, a mystery to us. It was definitely a mystery to them, but he was all God and all man. And they recognized that only God could forgive sins. Well, God forgave our sins for you and me on the cross of Calvary, works of charity, works of love, when he laid down his life for the sheep. And he secured every single one of them by what? A love, the act of charity for you and for me, who were not able to do anything for ourselves, but God did. He sent forth his son to redeem. He sent forth his son to save. That, that's like I said, it's the good news of the gospel, the greatest charity event of all time. And we can get a hold of that. That can build us up. That's the word of grace Paul was talking to them about building it up. That's something that you can build upon. That's something you can have hope in. That's something you can have faith in that God finished a work, the greatest work of love. And Let's read a little bit more. He says, Immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned with himself, he said unto them, Why reason ye things in his heart? Is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven to thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk? <laughs> There's nothing too hard for the Lord. <laughs> we read about that through the whole scriptures. On every event that God had his hand in, a hand of providence. We believe in a God of providence <laughs> in our life. That's what providence means is he provides. That's what the front half of that is, God providing. We believe in a God that's a doing God, a providential God, a God that has, can take control and there's nothing too hard for him. And that's what he tells him. Is it too hard for me to say your sins be forgiven or rise and take up that bed and walk? <laughs> for him to rise and take up that bed and walk, he needed the healing power of Jesus. And that's what each one of us needs to do here in this life. Once we hear the healing power of Jesus and regeneration, we can get up, take up our cross and follow him. That's what he told the young man when he came up to Jesus. He said, what good things shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he, he lists all the things he said he was qualified for. And he crossed all these T's and dotted all his I's. But there were some T's that weren't crossed. And there were some I's that weren't dotted. But he said, what did he say? He said, sell all that, that house, give all to, 
you know, to the poor and take up thy cross and follow me. That's what he told him. He said, give it to the poor. Remember how you have pity upon the poor? You're lending it unto the Lord. Get this stuff out of your way. This stuff that's taken uh, precedence before me, give it away. Give it to the poor and follow me. He says, which one's harder for me? There's, there's nothing's too hard for the Lord. But, the, but that ye may know, ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go with thy way into thy house. We need to get, go, go back to our house, to what we heard this morning, to our friends and our family and gather them around to hear the words of the Lord. They heard the noise in the house. They went to the, the one who could give them some help. They showed great acts of charity for this young man, for their brother. And that's what we need to do for our brothers. You're my brother and sister in Jesus Christ. <laughs> I love you more than anything in this world. We talk about having good friends. That's what I love about this story. It talks about friendship. It talks about, you know, what kind of friends that we're supposed to hang around. I tell Tabitha and Baker, you know, Mitzi Jane's soon going to be on the uh, front page of this. Is about how, what kind of friends we're supposed to have. We, you know, I told Tabitha Anybody that offers you anything in this life, if it's not honoring to the Lord, they don't have your interest in mind. They're not really friends. I thought I had a bunch of friends growing up uh, that would led me in all kind of different directions. They were never really my friends. Ever since growing up in the church for 46 years and meeting all those half of the people my fathers met in the ministry and uh, just growing up, they, those are lifelong friends. There's, I have the most wonderful memories being in the church, the people in the church where the Lord is at, where the gospel is being preached, where salvation is by grace and grace alone, something that builds me up. I want to be around those friends that are leading me to the Lord's house, to the house, the house of worship, the house of prayer, the house of God. This is God's house, and we should honor him by being more loving one to another, forgiving one another, tenderhearted. That's what kind of friends this brother had, his closest brothers, did what? They carried him up on a bed. He couldn't do anything. They took him to the house. It was where they needed to go. That was great acts of charity. You know, and to con contrast that, in the book of John, chapter 5, it talks about the, uh, down at the pool, when Jesus went up, you know, as it, tradition was, he, um, he kept the law to a jot and to a tittle. And he was going up, at, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was where they went to, to worship. And at, by, the, by the sheep market, a pool, which is called, in the Hebrew language, Bethesda, having five porches. And now listen, in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind hawk, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Okay, that's the condition we're at before the Lord moves and stirs your water. You know, the preacher's supposed to stir up the gift that's inside him until the Lord stirs up <laughs> regeneration in you. He put, until he puts the spirit of, of God in you, that's when he stirs the water. And so they were all laying around because there was something when the angel came to that pool of water and stirred it, there was a, a miracle happening. And there's people that have been there a long time. And you think that maybe somebody, just somebody may have helped this man down to the water. He laid there for 38 years. 38 years he was in that condition. Now, he was there at the pool 38 years? I don't know. Um, I just know it says that he was in that condition for that period of time. And he was down there. And the Lord asked him, he says, 
wilt thou be made whole? You know, Jesus came to him that day. It's a, it's a great day when the Lord visits you. It's a great day when you see the Lord pass by. You know, it was a great day when the, the Lord walked upon the water and the, uh, the disciples were in a frenzy and scared to death probably of the troubled waters all around them. And they saw the Son of God, the Son of Righteousness, walking towards him on that water. I mean, that was a great day, but they were scared because they didn't, they didn't see exactly who it was. He said, what? Be of good cheer. It is I. Be a good cheer, it is I. And this man, for 38 years, that's a long time. I'm 46, so that's pretty much my whole life. He had been in this kind of condition, which was horrible, and he couldn't get in there. There was nobody around that would help him. There was nobody that would be just like, here, you know, I recognize this is a miracle happened. Only God can perform this kind of miracle when the angel comes down there and stirs the water. You would think that somebody, maybe, maybe would show some acts of charity or you know, love and action and say, get, get in there, knowing that this was something supernatural that was going on in the first place. You'd think that would be encouragement enough to be like, I'm pretty sure if I help this guy down into the water, that, you know, my time's going to be next or I'll, I'll, I'll be there. But nobody did. Listen to what he says. He says, will thou be made, Jesus asked him, will thou be made whole? And I'd be like, yes, hello, this guy, yes, sign me up. He asked him, will thou be made whole? He says, the impotent man answered him, says, I have no man. That is sad. And that is our condition. We don't have anybody until we have Jesus. Until we have Jesus, there is no man. We don't, you know, no man cometh unto the Father except to draw him, right? You know, he looked down before time ever began and saw that uh, he looked upon the uh, end of this world and there was none to help. There was none that would come to God. He saw all that. It wasn't based on our works of righteousness. He said, "Without well, thou be made whole. And he says, I have no man. I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. But while I am coming, another one steppeth down before me. And we need to be on the opposite end of it. It's better to give than to receive. That's, it's better to give than to receive. All them were receiving the miracle that were getting down into the pool, but they didn't, you know, it was better to give than to receive. I want you to remember that this week. He says, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. He told that man, you know, that his brothers took him there. He said, pick up thy bed and walk. We need to you know, get up. We need to get up like Zacchaeus and get up. We need to rise and shine for the light has come. We need to get up and we need to walk. We need to pick, take up our cross and follow the Lord. We need to sell this in front of us and walk towards the Lord, to look to the Lord where all blessings come from. And like you said, when you have pity upon the poor, the Lord will double down on you. He's faithful and just. Remember, all your works of righteousness. He says, rise up, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Here we go again. Boy, they didn't like that. Never did like what the Lord was doing, whether it was good, no matter what it was. They didn't like when he came in there and knocked over the, you know, the table changers. You know, they were selling in the house of, house of the Lord and house of prayer. I want to re go on down there. Um, they started questioning the man, and it wasn't revealed to him at first who it was. And like a lot of God's children around the world, they never heard the name Jesus. They, they know it in their heart by regeneration. He's got a people out of every tongue, nation, kindred, people around the globe. Thank the Lord. He knows every single one of them. 
And sometime between their conception and death, he's going to come to them in regeneration and put his spirit inside them where the wind bloweth, you know, not can hear the sound thereof. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. And they will hear the voice of the Son of God in their hearts in regeneration, but all of them won't hear the audible uh, voice, or, you know, from a preacher or anybody, a missionary to come down to the furthest parts of this world. They may not hear the audible word of the Lord and may not hear about it, but they'll know it in their heart. And this man right now, he knows he was healed. He took up his bed and, and he walked and he's being questioned. And he said, I don't know who it was, but I want you to, I read this this morning and it hit me. He says, um, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more. That's a, or back up to verse 13. And he, and he that was healed was not who it was. That's why I just got through talking about. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. He only healed one person. That's the sovereignty of God. He only healed one. And there was many of them with all kinds of diseases. But he chose this man. This is a good day in the Lord for this man. And when I read this morning, it just brought joy to my heart. It was conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. It says, afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple. Where was he at? He was in the house of God. I've been sick for 38 years with the pulse, you know, and all this. Whatever that, uh, he had, he laid there. He couldn't get into the water, and I've been healed. I'm, <laughs> he was in the house of God. That's where Jesus found him. And Jesus will find you here, and he'll find you out there when we're being charitable one to another. He's able to double down on everything we got. He says, he findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon thee. I just love it. You know, he, Jesus found him in the temple. That's where we, we need to be. On Sunday mornings, every time the gospel is being preached, we need to be in the temple. We need to be in the house where that, those brothers took Jesus, where the noise is. That's a joyful noise. That's what the gospel is. It's a joyful noise of comfort ye, comfort ye. It's the good news and glad tidings of Jesus Christ, a, a crucified Savior. You know, Paul told the Corinthians, he said, I don't care if you remember anything else other than what? Jesus Christ, charity. <laughs> In him crucified, what he did. He gave his life for you and for me. <laughs> Thank you for your kind attention.